The two largest myths that I deal with are A, that travel, particularly to low-income countries, is dangerous. And two, to the extent that there is danger, that the biggest category of risks is infectious diseases. So first, by and large, international travel is a safe thing to do, and the risks are more determined by what you do than by where you go. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Merck Manuals Medical Myths podcast. We talked to Dr. Chris Sanford a few podcasts ago about some of the risks related to travel and COVID-19. Today, I'm having him back on with us to talk a little bit extra about some additional topics related to travel uh, that are a little bit more in the broad sense. Dr. Sanford, thanks for coming back. Hey, thank you for having me. So I think when people think of travel in general, they think of, uh, especially if you're American, traveling you know, continentally is a pretty safe thing to do. Uh, but when it comes to international travel uh, to some potentially low-income nations, they think it's dangerous. They think there are additional risks associated with that uh, that you wouldn't otherwise see uh, traveling across the country. Is that a real thing? You know, in general, no. As a general rule, the great majority of the world is reasonably safe to travel to. And interestingly, I know in people I talk to, a direct correlation between how much they've traveled and how dangerous they think travel is. So someone who's never left their home state thinks that going to a low-income country is dangerous or they're more likely to, and that the biggest area of danger is infectious diseases. If you talk to someone who's been to a low-income country 10 times, that person will think it's perfectly reasonable to go there and that the people who live in that country are nice, reasonable people, and they'll know that the bigger risks are actually things like car crashes. Now, I think when people are on vacation sometimes, they're more likely to take more risks when it comes to the activities they do, whether it's white water rafting or riding a scooter or a motorcycle. Are people more likely to take risks in that sense when it comes to travel than they otherwise would in their normal everyday lives? In a word, yes. People don't go on vacation so that they can have more constraints in their social and uh, recreational lives. And particularly young men, but really all groups are ten, tend to drink a little more, party a little more, socialize a little more. And sometimes people will engage in behavior just because, quote, it's the way it's done there, unquote. So if people in a certain country are riding on the roof of a bus or the top of a train, tourists may be tempted to join in that behavior because they think it's how it's done there. And it may be how it's done there, but it's not safe for the residents and it's not safe for the tourist. As a general rule, if a given activity is dangerous at home, it's probably also a bad idea when you travel. Now, in that similar vein of that's the way it's done there, I think many of us have at least a background knowledge of uh, how COVID-19 started. Is there additional risk when it comes to the foods that you eat uh, overseas? Is someone's, let's say, gut a little bit more adapted to different foods than some people in the U.S. would be? In general, indeed, if you go to a low-income country, you're more likely to get diarrhea. And so in terms of food, there's the usual ongoing low risk from diarrhea. But in terms of COVID, no, it's not really spread by food. So one myth that we see quite often, and uh, I'm sure a lot of parents are familiar with this, is this idea that it's unsafe to travel with children abroad because there are additional concerns regarding the health of little young ones. Is that true? Is there additional risks associated with health for international travel with children? You know, in general, no. Once we go back to the, the post-COVID era, I think it's a great thing to travel with kids. 
And there's a small number of exceptions that would be true for adults as well. You know, you don't want to go to an area of active civil turmoil, but I wouldn't recommend that adults go there. But the great majority of destinations, both in high-income and low-income countries, as long as you do so in a safe manner, I think it's a great idea. So if you're going to a low-income country with your kid, you want to have that person see a pre-travel provider, talk about immunizations, and if appropriate, malaria prophylaxis. You want to do things like a seat belt or a car seat. But if you take those uh, precautions, I think it's eminently reasonable and even beneficial to a child to go out and see the world. Now, let's say we're traveling with our parents or, for example, our grandparents. Maybe they're a little hesitant to travel because they're older age. They can't get around for some of them as well as they used to. Because you're older or because you have certain um, medical limitations, does that mean it's unsafe to travel? You have to talk to people about their risk tolerance and see what their priorities are. If someone absolutely wants to minimize their risk, I have to admit there is somewhat elevated risk in low-income countries, if only because there isn't the access to the highest quality of medical care. Most people want to travel and see the world and are really are willing to accept a little more risk. Um, but yeah, there is slightly elevated risk. You know, if you have a chronic, say, cardiac condition and you go to a low-income country and have a heart attack, you're not going to get the level of care you would get in a high-income nation. So I'm frank with that. But of course, people pre-select out and see me pre-travel. And I end up sending a tremendous number of people overseas, and I give them counseling to bring their risk down. But yeah, there's slightly elevated risk. And if people aren't okay with that, they probably should stay within the high-income countries. Now, you just mentioned that uh, patients see you oftentimes before they travel, especially overseas. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that when it comes to shorter-term travel, Uh, business or otherwise, that people feel they don't need to seek pre-travel medical preparation. Is that true? It is true. People are more likely to see me if A, they're going to a low-income country, and B, if they're going for longer duration. What I would recommend is that people see me really for any duration if they're going to a low-income country. Most people really, if you're going to continental Europe, seeing a travel doc really is not real critical. But you can get anything from malaria to typhoid fever or other, even in a two-day stay. So even if you're a business traveler, suppose you're going to Nigeria just for a three-day business meeting, uh, you can get malaria in that time or hepatitis A or typhoid fever. So I think the determinant should be more where you go. But having said that, indeed, the longer you're in that place, the higher your risk is of something uh, averse happening. So obviously travel has been curtailed quite a bit in the world of COVID-19, and I'm sure you, along with myself and so many others, are looking forward to traveling again. Um, what is your perception on, you know, the future of travel in this and how how this, you know, whole COVID-19 situation may affect us now and not just five years from now, but maybe the summer and the spring? Do you think that there's any chance we get back to that? There's a tremendous pent-up urge to travel. The whole world has cabin fever, and I do think travel is going to come back in a big way. I don't know about the timing of that. Uh, We are very fortunate to have already in the U.S. highly effective vaccines on the market with the promise of a few more, um, you know, hitting the hospitals in the near future. As to the timing, I'm not sure. The last I'm hearing out of the CDC is they're hoping to have most Americans vaccinated by late summer. The timing, I'm just going to stay tuned. I'm not even going to predict when things are going to get normal again. My guess certainly is that by a year from now, there's going to be a heck of a lot of people traveling around the world. But when that large uh, movement is going to start, I'm just going to have to stay tuned to events. 
Well, Dr. Sanford, thanks for joining us uh, for, I guess, the third time on this podcast. It's been really great talking to you. It gets me excited to think about travel again whenever we get to talking. So I'll leave our listeners with what we always leave them at the end of this podcast. As we say at the Merck Manuals, medical knowledge is power. Pass it on.